Hi, I'm Kelsey Zeiser. Welcome to What's the Story, a short podcast from Light Reading, where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. Today, I'm talking with Mike Dano about the Splinternet, including what it is, the upsides and downsides to a Splinternet, the geopolitical implications, and what it means for the broader industry. Right, Mike, thanks for joining me on What's the Story? Welcome yeah. back. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, You've made the mistake of having me on yet again. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Or a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that's what I meant. Better. Good idea. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's a great idea. <laughs> um, so you wrote recently about the Splinternet, which I had not heard of before. What is the Splinternet? The Splinternet. And which does is, it hurt? I know. And it's not... <laughs> The bad guy in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's it's very different from that. Um, I, you know, I, so that term Splinternet has been around for a while, um, uh, but I I've been hearing it more and more in the in relation to this stuff that's going on with Russia and the Ukraine, and I just think it's a it's it, it really just summarizes I think what we have kind of been hinting at for a while, which is mm-hmm. all this uh, you know geopolitical. Uh, uh, stuff that's happening and how it affects the telecom industry. Right. And I think that term, the splinter net really does sort of capture, you know, what's been going on with Huawei and what's been going on with, you know, us China relations. And now this thing uh, with Russia and Ukraine has really sort of put it into high gear. And it really just, you know, it's exactly what it sounds like. It is the splintering of the internet, the splinter net. Okay. So multiple internets. Um, and what what are kind of the upsides and downsides of the splinternet? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we're gonna we're gonna find out <laughs> real quick. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. I know. Tune in next week because we'll find out more. Um, I uh, yeah, I think there's a lot, and I think there's there's some that we can see now, and there's some that I just I I we just don't know yet what's going to happen next. Um, I think early on. At least with, with with what's happening in Russia right now, it's very clear that, you know, as part of this drive against Russia, all these sanctions and stuff, there's a big push to just cut Russia off from the wider Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, definitely a move within Russia to do the same thing. Like, you know, Putin has blocked Facebook and Instagram and, you know, he's really trying to control the flow of information to the people who live in Russia so that they don't know what's going on so that he can, you know, control the narrative. Um, And so there's that that's happening. But on the other hand, uh, you know, all the Western uh, countries are really moving to um, block uh, Russia from, you know, being able to access the wider internet. And I think the big development on our end, you know, as as you've seen too, is uh, uh, two of the big uh, backbone internet companies, Cogent and Lumen, Mm -hmm. have... um, you know, kind of disconnected a lot of their services in Russia. So Russia's not totally blocked off from the internet, but they're, they're kind of making these initial moves to do that kind of thing. And now here's the interesting thing uh, that I just found out today, I'll tell you now real quick, is that, so there's another big company called Cloudflare, uh, and they offer some similar services, some cloud computing services and, and stuff like that. Um, and it's interesting because uh, Cloudflare has come out and said that yes, they're they're blocking some of their services from Russia, but they said in a in a blog post a couple of days ago that they do, they do not want to block 
Russia from the internet. They want to mm. keep Russia connected so that people in Russia know what's going on, that they're not, you know, in their own echo chamber, right. that they're able to find out what's actually happening rather than, you know, this the, the line from the Kremlin. So right. there's even within the telecom right. industry, there's debate about, you know, how how far should this whole sort of sanction digital sanctions go? Yeah. So it sounds like on the one hand, you know, uh, uh, some service providers don't want to show that they're supporting areas like Russia that are causing all these um, problems in, in war right now. Um, but then on the flip side, you still want to um, support um, their citizens that are, are trying to get accurate information. Yeah, it's this real tricky balance of, you know, making sure that that we do all that we can to prevent war, mm-hmm. uh, but also, you know, keep people connected. I mean, that's the whole point of the industry that we work in. And it's this weird, you know, weird balance where there's it's really like, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other, which one we which one is the right course of action. And so um, and I think, you know, so there's that immediate debate right now, keep Russia connected or no. And I think that's a legitimate debate to have. There's a broader issue that's happening now. And I, and I, I think it has much bigger implications and we won't know what'll happen, but, but there's this idea of um, using digital connections and the communications network as a geopolitical negotiating tool. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we've seen that with, uh, you know, the U.S. and China really using, you know, access to uh, U.S. components and, you mm-hmm. know, blocks against sales of Huawei like that. It's kind of become politicized to the point where, you know, that's that is a geopolitical negotiating tactic. And we and now we're seeing with Russia there, you know, if if a group of countries don't like another country, could they cut it off from the Internet? Mm-hmm. Could they cut off the financial system, the banking system, the communication system? Like, is that going to be in the future? Is that going to be one of the levers that countries pull to, you know, to get what they want? Um, and I, yeah, that that's an interesting new development. And it certainly seems like that the possibility that that's going to become a negotiating tool tactic is is accelerating, that mm-hmm. there's more chance of that happening. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, and, you know, you kind of touched on it a little bit at the beginning. Are there other areas where there's splinter nets, um, China, India? What what does that look like in those regions? Yeah, definitely. It, it, this. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not exclusive to China or, or Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other countries uh, like Turkey and Brazil and uh, certainly North Korea have all taken steps to either block, you know, their own citizens from accessing information or blocking, you know, international companies, companies from coming into their markets. Um, and I think the U.S., you know, is certainly uh, has some elements of this in play because there's this big uh, push to fund, you know, domestic production and um, have, uh, you know, a U.S. based supply of a lot of this kind of stuff. And like, uh, you know, even uh, oh, the part of the part of the argument around Open RAN is that will it will help create you know U.S. based companies to supply this kind of stuff. There's just this really big push right now going on to you know shore up domestic supply of things. And actually, you know, we just saw today, just 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 this past weekend, um, uh, Shenzhen uh, shut down production of basically all electronics parts and a lot of electronics comes out of Shenzhen, including iPhones. And they shut it down because of COVID. Um, But it certainly, you know, 
helps shine a light on the fact that, you know, we, we have a globalized economy. And so mm-hmm. if countries are dropping out of a global economy, you know, it, it definitely affects everybody else. It affects this and, you know, these Shenzhen shutdowns, totally unrelated to Russia. It's all because of COVID, but it still, you know, it just heightens that notion of, you know, can you trust the supply of what you're getting? Is it a reliable supply? Are those countries, you know, sort of aligned with your your country's, you know, motto and 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 direction. It's uh yeah, interesting days. Yeah, that's a great point. It really impacts more than just um the flow of information. It's also uh the supply chain, which we've certainly seen hit quite a bit by COVID yeah, in general. Um, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting to see um what develops with this Splinternet and look forward to your continuing coverage of it. Thanks for giving us an overview, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll see you again soon. All righty. <laughs> thank you so much, Mike, for taking the time to talk today. And thank you as well to our wonderful producer, Pierre Landrio, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>